0: your scriptures with uh, ears open and hearts soft to hear of your good news. We love you. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Amen. Hey, give the Lord a round of applause, huh? He's awesome. Hey, uh, welcome to Sear Bible Church. I know uh, there's some visitors here, and I probably haven't had the, the chance to shake your hand and get to know you, but my name is Jesse, and I'm part of the leadership team, and uh, we just want to thank you for being here. One of the things that we pray for on a regular basis. Is for new people to come to our church, specifically people who are curious about who Jesus is and what the gospel is, or maybe just open to the idea of what does the Bible actually teach. And what's really neat is we've made that an emphasis over the last year or so. We're hearing just all kinds of incredible stories of individuals, maybe like yourself this morning. That's on the fringes of what we would call Christianity. And so, if that's you this morning and you're visiting with us, somebody convinced you, manipulated you, bribed you to get here, uh, whatever it was they did to get you to come, we just want to celebrate you and say, We've been praying for you, and uh, we think this is important, and we're really, really glad you are here. And if you are visiting, one of the ways that we want to connect with you uh, is in our info booth. We got a couple gifts for you if you're a new visitor. Uh, we give you a book and a free cup of coffee in our coffee shop. So please make sure you stop by there to tell us a little bit about yourself, so we can bless you. And a couple things before we uh, we get into the word this morning that I just want to mention is, um, the, there we go. The church picnic. So August fourth at ten a.m. We go down to the West End Beach of Donner Lake. We rent out the pavilion there on the far end of that beach. And we do one big gathering between both of our services. We worship the Lord, and we do baptism. So make note of this, because if you show up August 4th uh, at either the 830 or the 1030 service, you will be doing church by yourself unless you quickly get to Donner Lake, okay? So I want to encourage you to come and sign up for that. The only thing you need to bring is, is a side dish and some dessert. Uh, we provide the drinks, and we provide all of the meat. And we cook up that uh, for you, and we have a good time together. And then we also uh, use this as a time, uh, one of the many times, to do baptism. So it's a great time to do it. got a couple people who are really interested in it. And baptism is your proclamation to your church family and to others that you believe that Jesus died and rose again from the grave on your behalf, reconciling you back into the friendship of God. And if that's you, please contact me uh, in the coming weeks. And we'll sign you up and we'll make sure we baptize you at the lake. And, and then the ladies have a retreat coming up in September. And I was remind, I've been reminded kind of pretty, pretty emphatically by, by some of the ladies in the women's ministry that we need to make sure we really highlight this. And, and the reason they said we need to highlight it is because whenever this, uh, this retreat comes around, all of the ladies remember, but the husbands forget. And the husbands inevitably tell inevitably tell the wives, uh, "Hey, I wasn't aware that this was happening." So, so what will happen is on like a Thursday, your wife will say to you, "I'm going to the women's retreat tomorrow," and the husband will say, "What? You're going where? Yes, you're going to be watching the kids. We've agreed to this. You're going to watch the kids for the next couple of days," and the husband will say, "I don't remember that, right?" And he'll be really upset because there's not enough pizza in the refrigerator for the next couple days. And he didn't have chance to go shopping because that's a big step to go to Safeway and get frozen pizzas to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, uh, and so this is really more of an announcement for the guys. Make note of this. Uh, stock your fridge with uh, ice cream and uh, pizza so your kids will think you're a hero. That's what happens with, with me. And all of this is conversations I've had in my home. Uh, and, and, and I'm in leadership. So... Inevitably, my wife will tell me I'm leaving tomorrow, and I'll say, Dear Lord, why? Uh, <clears throat> and we'll work it out. Uh, and, and so make note of that. And then we've got a, um, I think they have a slide for this. It's not in my reel, uh, Angie, for um, a baby shower. So Melissa Camp uh, and Jeff Camp have been attending our church since winter. They're, they're kind of new to our church, and uh, they're just an awesome family. They're really shy, and they're really cool. And I want you ladies to get a chance to meet them. One of the things that, that we like to do, is whenever um, a gal has a baby for the first time and they're part of our church, we like to throw them a baby shower. And we buy them, we pitch in, all the ladies pitch in to buy a really rad gift for, uh, for the mom and to get to know the mom and, and to just bless them and to pray over them uh, and all of that. It's a way for us to connect. And so ladies, if you'd like to meet Melissa, uh, this would be a good time to do it. This is Melissa over here. If you want to say hi? Just, you can just raise your hand. I won't. There you go. Um, give her a hand, yeah. So we. So, we uh we did the hoedown for those of you who were here on friday and we did this whole square dancing deal and melissa and jeff were there and i, and I was for sure thinking that you were going to go into labor The just, the do doe is the way to have a baby and I, man that that event when if we do it again you have got to come to it it is hilarious i i am not kidding you and in, in square dancing there's three moves three and we're so white we still can't get them right and uh Dude, you can't can't square dance and not smile. It's ridiculous. Um, So we had a good time. So thank you guys for putting that on. Okay, so a few weeks ago, transition out of announcements here. A few weeks ago, uh, our youth pastor, who has been with us for eight years, who came from Moody Bible College, uh, stood before you and basically announced that uh, he feels that God is calling him into a new adventure. And he doesn't even totally know what that is. And he's been faithful to serve here. And we honor John, Amon, and, and Sam for doing that. They've been incredible. Uh, they've been a great part of our family. Uh, the guy who's doing sound tech right now is named Stephan. He's a byproduct of John's discipleship, just bringing high school kids in to serve in the church. Uh, my sister has been heavily influenced. She did worship up here this morning uh, by John's discipleship. We're just thankful for him. And when John first spoke with Wayne and I, I had this pressing feeling of what I felt God wanted us to do next, uh, but was really unsure about about what that entailed so when John sat down with us he said that he was stepping away and it was a good thing and not a bad thing and that he loves our church and I said hey John in a perfect world who would you have replace you and he mentioned one particular name in particular and it was the name that I had actually been kinda praying and considering and then through a series of conversations this particular gentleman and his wife's name kept popping up in conversations the problem with this is that he and his wife were currently serving at another church. And so I just felt oppressing to go to uh, Brian Larson here in Calvary Chapel to sit down with Brian and share with Brian, hey, I, I just feel this thing. I don't have a corner street market on God's voice. I'm not the only one who hears from God. In fact, I hope I'm not the only one who hears from God. And, uh, and so I just want to mention to you that this name keeps popping up. This is our situation, and I'd like you to pray. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't want uh, this individual to come over if I don't have permission from you and he doesn't have permission from you. And then I stepped away, and I allowed them to have the dialogues that they needed to have, and Calvary Chapel has given permission for him to come over. And so I want to introduce you to our new youth pastor, Caleb, and his wife, Missy Dero. Would you guys come up, please? <clears throat> Um, so I want to pray. You're going to hear from them over the coming weeks. And, and really, I can honestly tell you, I, um, this has been emotional for them. It's been emotional for me. But it's, but we really do feel this is a God thing. Caleb, Caleb grew up in our youth group, and he interned with me for a period of time. And so we've known each other. And I've had the ability to pour into his life. And, and I, I, I have shared with people over the years, of knowing, you know, as knowing Caleb, he's one of the most difficult kids I had in youth group when I was a pastor. <laughs> and, uh, and it's interesting because, you know, I grew up in this church, and many people said those kind of things about me. Jesse was super difficult, and so God likes using difficult people to do ministry, apparently. And, um, and so they're coming over, and, and, and they've got a history here. They've poured into some of our kids already. Many of our kids already know who they are. Uh, they're already connected with many of them. Our leaders, our staff is already intimately connected with them. We know them and it's a tremendously great fit. One of the things that we're doing, and this has been a prayer of mine that it would work out this way, and by God's grace, it has. The best thing to do in transitioning of ministry isn't to just drop the ball and walk away, uh, but to try to transition with leadership as best as possible. So Caleb actually starts August 1st. And when he uh, starts August 1st, we will continue to pay John's salary and keep John uh, up until uh, as early as, maybe even longer if needed, till September. So we're going to carry a couple different salaries, and a couple different insurance packages to make sure that the kids and the leaders all transition as seamlessly as possible. And I don't don't know how maybe you feel about that, but to have that gift from the Lord for our kids and our leaders is a tremendous gift to do, that we don't have a guy just stepping away and bailing, but connecting and leading and building family. And like I had said when John stepped away, we are committed to taking care of the youth of, of our church, but also, we are committed to reaching more kids in the name of Jesus Christ in the Tahoe Truckee area, and I do believe firmly that Caleb is a guy that's going to be able to do that with his wife. And so, um, if you get an opportunity, welcome them, hug them, love them, high-five them, and, and just make them feel at home as best as you can. It's a transition for them. It's a transition for us, uh, and uh, we're excited for what God has in store. So, Yeah. 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 So let me pray for him, and I'm going to say, say one last thing. Uh, one of the things that we like to do when we bring leaders in, whether it's an elder or pastor, is we say, hey, between now and August, for those of you who know Caleb, if there's an issue that you feel he shouldn't fulfill uh, for leadership, we would, in, we would encourage you to do the Matthew 18 principle, talk with Caleb. And if you can't handle it with Caleb and it needs to go to leadership, we'll deal with it there. And one of the things that I'll I will say in regards to that is this is not a time for those of you who've known Caleb since he was a little kid to say, Do you remember when you were fourteen and fifteen and you did this thing? I think that disqualifies you. No, no, no. That's well done and over with. This is a man who's married, he's got three beautiful children, and and so it's it's things that you know that would maybe currently exist in him. It's not a time to bring up his past and, and I'll just remind you, it's not a time to bring up mine either, okay? <laughs> Uh, So let's pray for them, and we'll transition into the Word. Lord, we just thank you so much for Missy and Caleb and um, for their family. We're excited for what you're going to do in them and through them. I pray, Lord, that they fold into this family in a way that is above and beyond beautiful, that you're glorified, that your grace is magnified, uh, Lord, and that their discipleship is made whole as they disciple others, Lord. And so use them, Lord, and encourage them, and strengthen them, and provide for them in an amazing way, Lord. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Thank you, guys. You're free to go. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so, like all kinds of history, kind of being laid out here this morning. Um, we uh one of the guy who's going to share with you this morning. His name, for those of you who don't know him, his name's Jordan. Uh, Jordan Johnny Wong. His wife, his name's Jordan. And um, he actually came over with John Amon, our current youth pastor, over about eight years ago with Snowboarders for Christ, and he ended up becoming a missionary in the Basque country. And the Basque country sits uh, in upper Spain, lower, just just right below southern France. And it's a, a beautiful place, but it's a place that is literally considered an unchurched people group. And when I say unchurched people group, I mean I can't over-exaggerate it. When I say there's no Christians there, I mean there's no Christians there. Uh, I think Johnny and Jordan shared in the first service, there's like five in a city of 70,000 people. Uh, so that's pretty incredible, and that's where they're doing ministry. And so he's going to share with you from the Word this morning, and then Jordan's going to share a little bit about their ministry, and we're, we're going to pray over them and, and see how we can can uh, continue Uh, to support them and pray for them. So if you would, would you please welcome uh, Johnny Wong.
2: Hey, guys, can you hear me okay? uh, uh, I'm semi-on vacation. I'm in the United States. I tell my English students, um, I went to the United States to go practice my English. And... um, Uh, Yeah, it's good to be here with you guys. It's cool to see people who I haven't seen in a long time and their families are growing. You guys have so many babies, it's crazy. Um, It's a pleasure to share from the Word today. Hey, you guys are here for a bunch of different reasons. Sometimes you guys, other people go to church because they've always gone to church. Their, Their parents went along, so they go with that. Some people come to church because they feel good when they leave. They feel like they came out of a nice yoga session, refocused. Some people come because there's some good arguments that come from the pulpit. It's interesting. Some people come because they know that it's right. They feel like it's right. Some of you guys are here because someone made you come to church. Jesus' listeners came to him for all sorts of different reasons, and they drew very different conclusions. Some came for the show. He's going to put on a miracle. He's going to do something crazy. Some came because they had a very real need. Maybe their body was falling apart, and this was their last chance to be healed. Some people came to Jesus because they wanted a revolution. They didn't like the government that was there, and this guy, maybe he would bring a change and make our culture right again, make our nation great again or independent again. Some people were just interested in hearing a very powerful speaker, a teacher who was authoritative for some new ideas, a guru. Today we're going to be in the book of Luke. Before we get our Bibles out, I just wanted to tell you how important it is, the Word of God. You guys did an awesome... uh, an awesome job supporting these books, these Jesus Storybook Bibles. We got a bunch of them printed in Basque. And one of them comes out here, and uh, actually, I want to, let's do it in this order. Luke uh, is addressing his letter to a friend. here Theoph- uh, put it on here. Theopolis, thank you. So Theopolis, maybe Theopolis, this is from Luke 1, 4. Theopolis... Maybe he was a real guy, but what's interesting about it is that his name means lover of God, or he who who loves God. So one way maybe you can interpret Luke is that it is addressed to those who love God. The book starts off by saying Luke is explaining why he wrote this, why he's presenting his findings, why he did all this research and compiled all these stories for this guy and for you. He says... I want you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt the reliability of what you're hearing. So i want to ask you guys today, um, how do we know if the teachings that come from here are real? How do we know if these messages are real? And it's because it's been witnessed, it's been researched here, and it comes from the Word of God. So I want to thank you guys here. Uh, if you guys don't have a, a Bible, I want you guys to put up your hand. I'm whispering because I hear myself. But uh, you guys need a Bible? Put your hand up. Go ahead and grab one. One over here. I'm going to quote the Jesus Storybook Bible before we get started because if you guys think as an adult you are beyond the Jesus Storybook Bible, this thing cannot challenge me anymore. You guys are wrong. Now, Some people think the Bible's a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Let's all get up off our feet. And the reason why we do this is to show respect in saying that this is not the word of man. This is inspired word of God. We're in Luke chapter 16. If you're in one of these Bibles, it came from the back. It's on page 876. Luke chapter 16. I took a preaching class a really long time ago, and they said, you got to repeat the verse that you're in. Three times, because those people aren't going to get it the first time, nor the second time, maybe the third time. Good, so Luke 16, we're going to read the story of the rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man, you guys ready? You guys ready to do this? Ready to hear from the word? I'm excited to bring it to you guys. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with the scraps um, who who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things. And Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted, there, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they come into the place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Go ahead and have a seat. Word of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, through it we can see what you would have for us. Thank you for those who have taught us your word. Father, I pray that you would prepare our hearts for the proper response to this. Hey, I'm not sure where you guys are with Jesus. Maybe you've been around church forever and you feel really comfortable here. Maybe you've only heard a little bit about Jesus and you're hesitant to go all in with him. Or maybe you don't know what that means. Maybe you're burned out on trying to keep up with all these rules, this judgment and obligation that religion brings. Jesus gives us this parable to uncover our hearts. Here you'll be challenged through a vivid contrast of the rich man and Lazarus. I got a big idea for you guys. A lot of times people come into my English classes We talk a lot about phrasal verbs or grammar and a lot of hard stuff, and I just say, if there's one thing you learn from this class, I hope it's this. So, same thing we're going to do here. Big idea for you guys today. I I want you guys to come out with this question. I want you guys to leave thinking about these contrasts. Am I living the good life or the kingdom life? Am I living the good life or the kingdom life. This man starts off with a really, really good life. This rich man, I mean, it's in his name. His name's like, I'm rich, so that's good. Uh, For some people, that is the most important thing. Jesus comes in with some teachings, and these teachings are not easy to understand. These teachings are not easy to grasp with. Remember when I was talking about this Bible, and we think as an adult we come to it? Say, this is going to be infantile. When people go to Jesus, they come away shocked. They come away really challenged. In John 6, 5, 5, he has a crazy teaching. He says, my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. His disciples turn to another and say, hey, guys, this is a really hard saying. Who can believe this? So if you guys are coming into church consistently and walking away without these hard teachings hitting you, Our interpretation, or the way that we're listening to it, or the way that we're walking out of here, is probably not accurate to what Jesus would have. In this parable, he has two vivid contrasts, a bit of an exaggeration. So to answer this question, uh, because I believe that this is what the text would have for us, we're going to draw a bunch of uh, contrasts. The first is that the riches of this world, we're going to use comfort here, because The definition in this man is that he is rich. But we can use a lot of different things to show our wealth, not just our money. This says this rich man was dressed in purple, in fine linen, in luxury. He had luxury every day. And suddenly, that ended. Those are things, so the first question, the distinction that we have is comfort in this world it's good money is a good thing the security that we have in this world is a good thing but comfort in god comfort in christ is kingdom so what's the difference between the good life and the kingdom life it's the definition of or defining where our comfort comes from so we're going to ask ourselves some questions how do i know where my comfort is falling well think about something that comforts you? Think about something that you rely on. Is it something that's temporary and that can be taken away from you? That's the story of the rich man here. Suddenly he was faced with not waking up to his wonderful breakfast, but faced with torment. The Bible says that when we die, we will spend eternity somewhere. And this this happens instantly. It's not a time that we can prepare for it. So first question, are the things in your life that are comforting you temporary? Wealth is one of those easy ones, and this is the main story about it, that this money is being used just for temporary satisfaction. Pretty much everyone believes that you can't take wealth with you, but regardlessly, this is really important. I'm speaking to myself as a Christian here. Everybody knows that. You need to die. You don't can't take your money with you. But regardlessly, listen carefully, we use it to make our lives as comfortable as possible. So it, it We believe something to be true, but we don't act very much differently. And I think that's challenging for for Christians. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with having the means to live a comfortable life. But it's one of the easiest ways to distract ourselves from what comes next. Uh, In Basque Country, we do a lot of surfing when we don't have three kids. And uh, surfing is a really cool, really cool sport because... Uh, you're so excited to go and get this wave. Um, and the good life has a lot of surfing in it. There's something interesting about surfers, though, is that even if they catch the best wave that has ever been surfed by anybody in the history of the world, or their best wave that they've ever surfed, as soon as they finish it, they're thinking about the next one. It's weird. Like, you, you're like, I'm finished surfing. You catch the one wave. I was going to go in. No, I, I, I need one more. And... Uh, that is a, a a good. It's a good sensation, but it's temporary. So if our comfort is there, it won't hold. In contrast, comfort in Christ is is eternal. Uh, Jesus says in John six five one fifty John six five one John six fifty one I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I gave for the life of the world. This is something that can't be taken away from you, doesn't rely on you, it's not here today and gone tomorrow. And uh, if we are putting our comfort in that eternal, uh, in an eternal comfort, which is in Christ, I think we have a clear distinction between the two. Comfort in the world depends on you. Comfort in Christ persists despite of you. These men uh, who were being addressed in this parable were uh, from a group called the Pharisees. They did everything right. Uh, This man in this story, he uh, leaned on his possessions for comfort. He worked very, very hard to follow the rules. He was a good guy doesn't really do anything wrong in this, in this book. They're not saying that he was out living a sinful life. Probably quite the opposite. He was probably a reputable character. Everyone looked to him and respected him. He probably worked really hard to be in that situation. Uh, but ultimately, his comfort was resting in the work that he did. On the other hand, we have Lazarus, who uh, had very little standing in the community. Probably quite the other. Probably a lot of people didn't care about him. Not many people talked about him. He wasn't a model in the society. But in the end of his life, Lazarus ended up right next to the most respected guy, right next to Abraham. And Abraham welcomed him and comforted him. This comfort that Lazarus had in death also was in life. You don't just become a Christian when you die. You're not just with God when you die. It starts beforehand. So, Lazarus was comforted in this absolutely terrible situation. He has dealt probably the toughest hand. His situation could have improved even with a crumb from the rich man's table. With our eyes, this man would have absolutely no comfort. But that's not what we see here. We see a vivid contrast between comfort that comes from the world and comfort that comes despite all of your situation because it rests in Christ. So, uh, keep in mind, ask yourself, where is this comfort coming from? Is it something that can be taken from me? Is it something that I built? Or is it something that's despite everything that I've done around me? All of my situation. We've got one more verse on on this, this cool idea of comfort. And, in the beginning, we said, hey, are we going to live the good life or are we going to live the kingdom life? In, um, in Basque Country, there's a church that we go um, help out with. They're a, a vineyard church. It's like entry-level charismatic. So like, you want to be charismatic, but you want to be like, a little charismatic. They talk about the kingdom all the time, and it's this difficult idea to, to be thinking about. But here, this really shows it to us because like, the kingdom of God is like, when he's in heaven and he's all-powerful, but it's also here today. Take a look at this verse in the context of comfort that's not depending on you, but comfort that comes in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the, good, uh, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That right there, guys, Is the kingdom of God. The stuff that we believe about God in the future, far away, should be in our marriages. It should be comforting those who are in the gates right outside our mansions, comforting those who are walking by and have no one else to comfort them. So we comfort them not because it's going to make us feel good or because someone's going to see us, but because it's declaring that the kingdom of God, which is far away, is also here today. This is really cool, guys. So, like, being married, talking about this abstract idea of Jesus loving the church, this kingdom of God, it's far away, he's going to bring justice, he's going to make things right, also here today. And the, w- and the reason why we do things should be because it is a witness and a testimony of what God has next. Um, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ— so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So that is how this kingdom concept is looking forward, but it's also very much today. Okay, so just to do a quick review here, big idea. You guys still tracking with me? The big idea, are we living the good life or are we living the kingdom life? Okay, so first we said comfort in the world. Hey, that's good. We've been given good things, but comforting Christ is kingdom, and they're very distinct. Our second idea that we want to bring here is confidence in our morality is good, but confidence in Christ is kingdom. The rich man looked very moral to men. He was respected by everyone. He followed all the rules very carefully, but we see something. Put this on here. The rich man was good before men, but Lazarus was made right before God. Looking a little bit further in Luke sixteen fifteen, Jesus uncovers the sneaky plot of the Pharisees. These guys were very well educated. They knew all the rules. People looked at them and respected them. But Jesus saw right through this, and he says, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. These guys had everything that society looked up to. But in their hearts, they were devoid of a real relationship with God. They followed everything very carefully. They knew all the scriptures really well. Uh, but in, uh, in this one, for, uh, what comes next is Jesus talks to the Pharisees about, about divorce. And he says that these, these guys knew all the tricks to follow all the rules just right but he denounces and saying, hey, divorcing your wife, that's also adultery. They knew that if they wanted to change wives, they could just divorce one and start start with the next one. We didn't commit adultery. And Jesus is going beyond the law to show that really, the point is our hearts. So these guys were doing what was right. The law was not written for you to look cool in front of people. The law was not written for you to say, I'm good, that guy's bad. It's horizontal. This is saying that It's the laws written for you to be made right with God. It's to show that we are devoid, that we are lacking something. And what we're lacking is to be made right with God, not to be made right with men. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, so kingdom is confidence in our morality is good. Confidence in Christ's work is kingdom. The rich man looked moral to men, But Lazarus was made right before God. So it's not the perception of having everything together. It's making right, being made right with God. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to him through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you guys see how the kingdom comes out there again? A ministry of reconciliation. It's not. I'm reconciled. Okay, God, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm time to die. Take me to heaven. No, it means like today we can work and talk about this kingdom that's to come. What would that look like to talk about the the ministry of reconciliation? It means making peace. It means encouraging people to talk about how there is a relationship with God. That's not the kingdom a million miles away from here or when we're dead. That's for us today with our neighbors. Today, us with our families. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. It's cool, huh? These concepts, we can apply them here today. Um, don't ever open up your word and uh, just be too familiar with it. This is what we see with with, uh, with these Pharisees. They're just familiar with it and not letting it soak in, not letting it get to their heart. Lazarus was repentant. The rich man was familiar with Scripture, but Lazarus was repentant because of Scriptures. There's a difference between knowing things and allowing them to work out in our hearts. I want to leave you guys with three points. I want you to, I want you to walk out of here choosing one of these, one of these three things. Conclusions to wrap this story together. The first one is maybe you know all the rules. You know all the right things to do. You know all the right things to say. But you haven't let those turn you to repentance. That you're living the good life, but you haven't yet made the decision to do the kingdom life. You know everything about Jesus, but you haven't made a decision to let him actually be Lord of your life. You don't, um, you don't have tomorrow guaranteed. This rich man had everything uh, set for today, but he was surprised by tomorrow. If you guys haven't yet made the decision to follow Jesus, if you're waiting maybe for a little bit more evidence, if only I were to see someone who came back from the dead, then I would believe. If you're waiting for God to change one more thing in your life, there's always one thing that's stopping us from accepting Christ, from walking away from our morality and saying, I'm going to choose to be made right with God through Christ. If that's you for today, I want you guys to talk to someone. I want you to say, hey, I think that this this parable about this rich man is about me and all the stuff that I've been given, and maybe it's distracting me from actually taking a real step in my heart to follow Jesus. Number one. Number two, I've been a Christian for quite a while, but I know that a lot of the nice things that God's given me tend to creep in and replace the comfort that we find in Christ. Maybe for you that's some sort of security, some sort of comfort, and I want you to ask yourself, is there a comfort that is temporary or that depends on me, which is creeping in to kingdom comfort. Lastly, and finally, as a student of evangelism and very excited to share Jesus with people in, in Basque Country and in new places, and look at the, the end of this story really really strikes me. This man is, is thinking about his needs. The rich man's thinking about his needs. He wants to be alleviated from, from torment, then he thinks about his brothers. He thinks about his brothers to try to save them, but it's already too late. I'd like you to consider someone in your life, someone who you love, like this man who loves his brothers. And maybe these brothers um, have been exposed to Scripture. Maybe they're waiting for a little bit more. Maybe they haven't heard it yet. And at your next get-together... This story maybe will strike you, or even before that. And you could think about, hey, now's my chance to share scriptures with them. Because if they were even to see someone come back from the dead, that's what happens later as well. Another Lazarus is raised from the dead, and these same people who heard this story didn't believe Jesus. Jesus himself come back from the dead. People saw that and didn't believe Jesus. It's through this scripture and through faith that people are saved. So maybe before your next get together, thinking about someone who you really love. For me, it's my brother. Saying instead of going and going out just for a drink or just playing video games together, it's going to say this is my this could be my last chance to share scriptures with this guy because tomorrow's not guaranteed. So quick review here: um, Am I living the good life? Am I living the kingdom life? I want you to walk away with one of these things. Is it my time to leave morality and to choose repentance, to choose being made right with God? That would be starting a Christian walk. Maybe you know everything about Christianity, but you haven't even started the walk. Number two, maybe you need, this is what I'm going to take away, is that I need to identify a comfort that is creeping in and taking away comfort in Christ. And then finally, maybe you've got someone in your family you want to share scripture with. Maybe someone in your family who you love them, but you've never had a chance to get in there and say, hey, I'm going to turn my life in this direction. You should too. And share Jesus with someone in your family, someone who you love, maybe a neighbor who hasn't had that opportunity yet to come to faith. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pray really fast and bring up someone who looks a lot better than me. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that um, it would be real and different every time. The word is alive, Lord. And I pray that um, as you instruct us through it, we would be open to it. Father, I pray for our loved ones who don't yet know us. I pray for the comfort of this world, which is good. Let it not distract us from finding comfort in Christ. Commit these things to you. Thank you for, um, for your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. This is my first wife, Jordan.
3: He says this all the time, like it's a funny joke. I
2: have, I have like two jokes.
3: Okay. Um, so, um, I am gonna share quickly, cause I know, I know many faces, but not, a lo- not most of the faces. And maybe you don't know our faces, so here are our faces um this is Johnny I am Jordan and we have three boys um the oldest in is in the middle of the orange shirt his Alec Malachi is sitting over here and he's four his big brother is six and his little brother Keoni is two um so it Jesse already mentioned that uh, John and Johnny are connected through Moody Bible Institute. They came out together to serve here in Truckee with SBC. Um, Johnny and I met at Moody Bible Institute. I went there too. Um, and he wa- God was individually leading us both towards missions, towards um, church planting, and he brought us together. Um, so let me go to the one here um you might recognize some of these people maybe not because they're all wearing hats and hoods um and it was taken about 10 years ago so but um this is johnny and john amon and the two other guys that came from moody and a bunch of other um snowboarders that they met while living here and working here um and loving on surf um surfers no snowboarders um That is how Johnny got connected with SBC through his partnership with Snowboarders for Christ. Um, And I came out to visit them uh, because we were all friends. And that's when I first came here um, in 2010. So um, thanks for being nice to me then. (laughs) Thanks for still being nice to me. Um, So yeah. And we, after we got married... So he moved to Basque Country after serving here. He moved there um, in 2010. Uh, We had a long distance relationship till he came back in February 2011. We got married and then moved together two days later. So that was an adventure. Um, We moved to the very beautiful um, place called Basque Country. So not everyone knows where that is. Just explained it a little bit and now you have a visual. Um, So Basque Country is a small, autonomous region in in the land borders of Spain and France. But don't tell any of them that they are Spanish, because they might punch you in the face. (laughs) So um, Basque, uh, Basque Country has, the people have inhabited that land since before the Romans came to the Iberian Peninsula. Um, Their language is completely different from Spanish, Um, and in this region, about 3 million people live in this region, 700,000 of them would say, I am Basque. I speak Basque. My family's Basque. I have Basque last names, plural, many, many of them. Um, And of those 700,000 people, 2% of them are evangelical Christians. Um, Like Jesse said, in our town, the... Top picture is the picture of our town, an aerial view of our town. It's called Sarauts. Um In the winter, like, the locals, us locals, we're like 25,000 people. And in the summer months, with the second homeowners and tourists, it becomes like 70,000 people. Um, and so it gets real packed. Um, but like Jesse said, I know five People. Four of them would say I'm a born again believer. I'm an evangelical Christian. One would say he's Catholic, but he lived with us and we hurt his heart. And he, we'll see him in heaven. Um, it is so cool. Um, but he is a rare find, rare, rare find. Um, so, it, ironically enough, this area of Spain used to be for centuries the most Catholic part of Spain, Spain is very Catholic, um, but the most Catholic of them all were the Basque people, um, until the time of Franco. So Franco was a dictator um, who came in and used the church, manipulated the church, used the church, the Catholic church to spy on, to persecute, to oppress Basque people for just being Basque, for speaking Basque, it was illegal to speak Bass during his time. Um, so when he died in 1975, the Bass people, you know, logically just said, yeah, we've had enough of that. So they have been like stiff farming the church, religion, Jesus, since 1975. Um, and they are very moral people. They are very good. Um, kind, kind of cold, but that's just part of their culture. Um, but they, they're good. They don't do bad stuff. It is a very, very safe place. But that just makes it harder for them to see their deep spiritual need for Christ. Um, and so it is, it's hard for us, but beautiful for us to be a, a part of that. Um, so eight years ago, we moved to set to be tent makers. And no, we don't make tents. Tent making is just really cool, christian word that means that we are there as ministers of the gospel, but um, our job does the majority of the financial supporting. So um, what's our job, right? Uh, we have an English school, you see that at the top picture, And we have a coffee shop opened that up last year. Um, These two parts of our business um, are cool to see how we can make relationships in different ways. So English school is long-term, deep, um, intense relationships um, that, yeah, like I said, they're really long-term. Some of you have hosted some of our students, some of our Basque uh, teenagers, English students have come here and stayed in your families. And um, so we see great relationships that way. Um, What surprised us with the coffee shop is the different sort of networks that we are a part of and the intensity of these relationships. They are faster, not like five year, six year relationships. They're like a couple month relationships and they they get spiritual quickly but it's important for you to understand what spiritual is for a Basque person, okay? So take zero here as Americans, right? Um, they've probably seen a church before. They have heard the word Jesus, maybe negatively, right? But, you know, they've heard about Jesus. He's some dude. Um, that's zero, right? So take that about 75 notches down, and that is that is their zero. Nothing is sacred there. Um, their swear words are all about defaming God that they don't even believe in. Um, and these people have never opened a Bible in their life. Maybe they touched it during, like, confirmation with Catholics when their grandmas made them go. Um, it, we'll take care of it later, honey, Don't you worry. Um, But, yeah, they've never opened the word. But to be able to be in the coffee shop, and Johnny is just really bold, way more bold than me, um, just sharing the gospel while he's making coffee. Hey, why are you here? Well, let me tell you. (laughs) Um, Jesus. They're like, what? (laughs) Let me explain that. So he's so faithful in all of these um, situations, um, daily opportunities to share the gospel, not like monthly or yearly, but like daily. And people then come back for more good coffee and more good conversation. Um, And we've had people ask, hey, will you talk to us about this more? And we're like, what? Man, God, thank you. Um, So what's our next step? We are ready to capitalize. Capitalize sounds really business-like. No, like God has blessed us with networks, with relationships, and we want to... Take a huge step of faith and offer them a opportunity to engage with, not just listen to the gospel, but engage with the gospel. Come. Come to our English school and meet with us. You'll open the Bible, and you can read it in Basque, or you can read it in English, and you can come face-to-face with the God who made you and loves you and wants you to know him. Um... It's going to mean a lot of changes for us and our family, but we are so excited and really nervous. Um, these are our friends and as close to family as we can get there. Um, and if they walk away from us because of who we love, that will be really hard. But we're willing to take that step and take that risk knowing that like Johnny said, this is an opportunity to invite people, to share people before it's too late. We might not have another year in Basque Country. I don't know. So we want to be faithful where we're at. Um, if you guys want to hear more about what we're doing or just give us the high high five or whatever um, we have tacos in Ray Hall after service so you all are welcome to come and um, please out in the info booth you can look at our mugs every day um, we've got these out in the info booth um, so you can see us and, and partner with us on mission um, with what God's doing in the Basque Country
1: Um, so there's a couple things that I, I always look at that I just can't, you know, my, the way my mind works is they're in the Basque country and Johnny's Dutch and Asian in the Basque country, but he looks Jamaican. <laughs> and so I said, so, be, so you just so you're aware, like he's not in Jamaica, he's in the Basque country, but when Johnny shaves his face and cuts his hair, he turns into your average white guy. That's actually her, <laughs> Jordan. it's Jordan's dad, but I was like, I first looked at it, I was like, <laughs> dude, when you shave your hair, you gain a little bit of weight, you're a little older, you're quite a bit wider than you were. Um, so praise the Lord for that. I also, I think this is funny too, it's just joke time for me here. Um, that picture encapsulates, it encapsulates a parenthood the joy you see on Johnny and Jordan is the fact their kids look normal, but they don't any longer, right? You know what I'm saying? How many times it takes a picture when you have young kids and they finally aren't looking you know, weird, and so Jordan and Johnny, are. it's a good picture, so. Uh, so here's a couple things I want to add. Um, you know, we're basically their sending church. Uh, they have one other church that supports them, and we support them monthly, so we're committed to the mission that they're on. Uh, and we've been in discussions uh, a little bit here about this next endeavor for them to do church planting. In order for them to do church planting, so their income comes from, to do what they do, it comes from their tent making, it comes from making coffee, it comes from teaching uh, locals English. Uh, That's where they make their, their money, and then we help support in addition to that. And when they go to do church planting, it will require them to step away from some of the tent making Uh, and make less money to do church planting, and that's where uh, we come in. And so what we'd like to ask you to do, Jordan Jordan and Johnny are saying, hey, listen, if, if there's people in the church who want to give financially on a monthly basis to help us church plant, we would deeply appreciate that. In addition to several of you praying, I think they were looking at at least 10 people who'd grab those pictures, put them on their fridge, and pray for them every single day. One of the things that I've seen both in Jordan and Johnny, whenever they come back to the States, is they're almost like sponges for community. They get back home, they see people that love them, they see people they love, and they also love Jesus. They don't have that necessarily where they're at. And so they go long spells of just kind of feeling like they're on their own. And so they would deeply appreciate your prayer. Grab a card, that's one, grab a card. Consider financial donation uh, so they can start to endeavor in that process. Um, If you want to do that, Whenever you give a check or a tithe to Sierra Bible Church, if you put a memo in there or if you go online, there should be an option for other in there for you to put in what it's for. Um, and you want to just put in that it's for Johnny and Jordan or Basque uh, or Spain, we'll know where it's going to go. And we will make sure 100% of those funds go to Johnny and Jordan towards um, church planning. And then the last takeaway is join us next door and fellowship, get a chance, you know, take an opportunity to get to know them, hug on them, love them, and uh, of course... Uh, eat food in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, with that said, will you guys come up here? Let me pray for you guys. Would you please stand with me uh, this morning and uh, join me in prayer for Johnny and Jordan in their endeavor? Lord, we just thank you so much for, I am Lord, I'm just blown away at how you weave things together. And I can't help but thank, Lord, for us as a church, you're pressing in a message to us. Lord, with John Amon stepping up to the plate and taking a step of faith, not knowing what the future holds, Lord. For Caleb and Missy to take a step of faith to come to Sierra Bible Mm -hmm. Church. And now Johnny and Jordan to take a step of faith, Lord, to plant a church. I'm sure there is, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind, Lord, that many in this room are being pressed upon their hearts by you to take a step of faith. To take take a step of faith to a new job, to share their faith with someone, to join a Bible study, to attend church more regularly, to read the Word of God, to pray, all kinds of different steps of faith that we would grow in you. Lord, would these stories, would these individuals be a great encouragement to us, Lord? And as we place Johnny and Jordan ultimately in your hands, as they leave from here and travel back home to the Basque Country, would you bless them, would you equip them, would you use them, and would you allow great fruit to be born from them as they now get ready to plant a church? And start teaching people regularly how good and great it is to worship the one and true God, Jesus Christ. And your church says, amen. God bless you guys.
0: We're thankful for you guys. Thanks for sharing your hearts. And I don't know if you guys, anybody challenged today? Two of you? Okay, that's good. I, I was directly <laughs> challenged. Um, and we're going to close on a song, but it's an opportunity for you to respond. Um, you know, maybe there's an idol in your life right now. Maybe there's something going on that nobody else knows about, but God does. And it's an opportunity for us to bring that before the altar to uh, grasp forgiveness. First um, John tells us, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness—not just some. So let's come together in song as we close to respond. And then you guys can go next door, meet some new people, uh, give Johnny and Jordan a hug. But uh, let's let's come to the throne together. Amen? Amen?